whatever I play, as long as I go number one in the draft. From the Erie Otters, Connor McDavid. From the London Knights, Mitch Marner. From the Western Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. This is Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. He checks an enormous amount of boxes. Nobody in this draft did more with less. I absolutely love him. It's not his skills that anybody's concerned about. It's that playing attitude. And quite frankly, it's really poor. Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Faryastad of the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U Terriers, Brady Kachuk. He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there, and welcome to episode 14 of season two of Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. The director of scouting for TSN will be along shortly. My name is Dean Millard, and the stars of tomorrow are discovered and discussed here. And, uh, man, we have a wicked, wicked show lined up for you. We're going to talk about uh, three prospects. If you're watching, you can see the three that we'll be discussing on the screen. If you're listening and you'd like to check out what our show is all about, you can find us on the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network, UFSN, on YouTube, uh, along with a few other shows, uh, the UFF Podcast, uh, Two Minute Tuesdays, uh, we will have uh, UFHL Now, and Fantasy Hockey Time. And we're always looking for more shows to complement the network. So find us on uh, UFSN, Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network, on YouTube. And Craig Button joins us courtesy of the UFFS Hotline. It is the most realistic gameplay. It's the highest stakes. We're talking not just fantasy players, but NFTs non-fungible tokens if you don't know about that just do a little googling and you'll find out uh, just how that world is blowing up we're on the zillica blockchain and it's awesome how awesome a group recently paid on monday ten thousand dollars u.s for an expansion team Indeed, uh, it was unbelievable. The The live show that we did surrounding that is also on UFSN, so you can see our reactions when uh, we hit uh, $10,000 US. So get in the game where you own the game. Follow at UFH League, at UFF Sports, or at UFS Network on Twitter to get more information. So on the show today, uh, as mentioned, we're going to speak about uh, William Eklund, Corson Kuhlemans, and uh, Carson Lambos, uh, three prospects for the 2021 draft. We're also going to talk about when that draft might be happening, things that I'm hearing, things that Craig is hearing. Uh, We'll give you uh, our opinions on that. And uh, I'm also going to ask Craig if there's a clear-cut number one or the mud or the water is just a little bit muddy heading into this draft. So all of that uh, still to come on the program and let's bring him in right now. Craig Button. Here he is. The director of scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. 
because he's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it. Craig Button. Craig, great to chat with you once again. As I look up my window, I see the snow melting in Alberta. That means I know spring is on the way. And normally, and this would be the, the kind of the home stretch for you guys as scouts heading into the draft, but we all know the draft is up in the air. You know, I have talked to some few people in hockey this week, and one of the ideas that came back was possibly holding the draft in maybe January of 2022 after the World Juniors or something. That would be the 2021 draft. What are your thoughts on that, and have you heard that out there? Well, first thing I want to say is I have some thoughts about it being early March and you thinking that all the snow is going to be gone in Alberta <laughs> because, uh, as you well know and better than anybody, is that the snow can come in April, May, and maybe even June. So, you know, as much as we could, uh, you know, we see spring in the air and we get excited about, uh, you know, the warm weather and everything, we always have to be guarded <laughs> because uh, as we've seen with the nature in these parts, snow can come and uh, surprise us. That being said about the draft, and it's a great point you make about, you know, at this point in time, beginning of March, you know, teams have a really good sense of where they sit in the standings. They have a really good sense of, uh, you know, the group of players that they've been watching for 18, 24 months and where they need to be zeroing in on as the seasons wind down in the respective leagues. Uh, so, you know, s some of those habits and some of those patterns that uh, NHL scouts uh, are accustomed to being in, uh, they're not in this year. And, you know, there a lot of it is catch up work. A lot of it is just trying to, you know, see where a player, uh, you know, who might have just played a few games, uh, you know, how he looks based on the last time they saw him play. So, you know, those patterns have been disrupted uh, for NHL scouts. Now, as for uh, the draft and, you know, when I talk about those patterns, I'm just going to use Dylan Gunther as an example. Now, we've talked about Dylan Gunther on the show. He's a top-end player. There's there's no question about it. He didn't, he didn't need to play a game this year for, for me to know he's a top-end player. Mm -hmm. But the last time that you had a real meaningful look and opportunity to evaluate Dylan's game was last March. That's, that's a year. And so you want to always be assessing improvement, you know, meeting new challenges, how you, how you take your game and, and, and continuously move it up uh, different levels of play to, to give NHL teams confidence that you're going to be a player that, uh, you know, they want to select and you can be a big part of their future. Now, Dylan might not be a great example because he, he, it, it, you don't need much confidence to draft Dylan Gunther. Just watch him for half a period and you'll say, oh boy, that guy's skilled. But think about the hundreds of other players. And, and you know, I had a discussion uh, with an NHL executive and I was asked this question. Who would be this year's Jack Quinn? Jack mm -hmm. Quinn went eighth overall to the Buffalo Sabres. You know, if you hadn't had the opportunity to watch him for a year, and now you're just picking up on him in March. Now you haven't had this. You haven't had those data points. Well, you saw him here. You saw him take a step here. You saw him take a step there, and on and on and on. If you recall, 
last year in the draft, I kept talking about Brendan Brisson. Mm -hmm. And I kept talking about each time I went back to see him play, there was advancement in his game. And he was better than the last time I saw him play. Because, you know, he was growing. He was gaining confidence and everything. All the way to the, to the draft that happened in October of 2020, where he became a first-round draft pick to the Vegas Golden Knights. But if you don't have that opportunity to watch that player, it becomes a lot more difficult to have that confidence to project them based on what you've been watching him do. So, you know, I understand why you would want the draft to be, you know, postponed to a certain, to, to a later date. You know, so what I've understood is that the options are keep the draft in the summer of 2020, July or 21, excuse me, uh, July, you know, whenever the schedule is. Talk about doing it, as, as you just mentioned, sometime at a midpoint, so let's say January 2022, or have the 2021 draft be in, in, in the summer of 2022, and you have uh, consecutive drafts, however you want to do it. So, you know, what I would say is that, you know, there's going to be lots of discussion, a lot of debate around those different options. But, you know, I, I, think, I think everybody has to be adaptable and they have to be flexible in their thinking just because it's never happened doesn't mean it can't work so the things that i hear are well you draft a player in january how do you get them in with your development group how do interviews go you know you want to meet players before a draft you got your nhl team up and running you're watching other players you know how would a combine look right so all these things have become really important to NHL teams with respect to their ability to evaluate, you know, now become more difficult uh, to, to, to do. It's, it's not that it's impossible to do, but, you know, you got NHL general managers at, at, at the uh, World Junior Tournament, you know, which is an opportunity to watch players and an opportunity to watch your own players, you know, and see how they're faring. So does it interfere with work that is just as important would be the question I would want to know. It, and, and I would like to have that discussion about it instead of just saying, well, let's have it done. And, and just because it's never been done doesn't mean it can't. But there, those are just some of the considerations that NHL teams may be having about having it at a midpoint. And, you know, I, I, what I will say to you, Dean, I don't think there'll ever be a right answer or a wrong answer. I think what we what has to happen is that there has to be a, a solution that addresses as many of the concerns as possible, and 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 they're all like I don't think there's any ones that aren't legitimate, but try to address as many of them, understanding that there's no perfect solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt, and I I would love to see the super back to back weekends of drafts in twenty twenty two summer, but you know as it was pointed out to me by uh, several people I talked to, that's an awful lot of work to be cramming into that area. Somebody else brought up, and this is way above my pay grade, but you know what about already drafted players, and you know is somebody gonna uh, you know file a labor grievance or something if the draft gets pushed back, which again is way above my pay grade, but it speaks to your point that. You know, everybody's going to have to work together on this because this is unprecedented. Collaboration, right? Again, so, you, you know, when you talk about it, uh, 
you know, there's different areas. So, so there's the legal part of it, right? There's, there's the CBA part of it, which is also falls under legal. You know, what have you agreed upon? What modifications can you make? Keep in mind too, you know, when you draft players and, and what, you know, seven rounds, and let's just say every team has seven picks. Well, that's seven players more on your, on your reserve list. Are you going to sign players? Are, are you not going to sign other players that haven't had an opportunity? Because it's not just about the draft. It's also the impact of the draft on these other players you have in your organization, right? And so there's a lot of different uh, scenarios playing out, not playing out, but, but have uh, players and agents and teams thinking about, okay, okay, we're, we like this player. We think he's made some progress. But we haven't seen him play for a year. How much more will his progress go? And now we're going to be forced to draft a player. We might want to sign that player. What does that mean for our contract limit? And 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 there's all these all these areas that you know if one affects another, and 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 they're all connected in some way, shape, or form. And that's why I say, you know, try to address as many of the issues in a positive way as you can and know that there's never going to be a perfect solution. And, and again, all the voices, all the ideas have to be heard. And, and, and Dean, I'll be straightforward with you. It, it doesn't matter where you sit in, 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 that, in that spectrum. It doesn't matter if you're a six-round draft pick or you're a first-round draft pick or a general manager or you're an agent. All the ideas have to be considered. And, and to me, all points of view have to be considered so that you can get to the best possible outcome. Yeah, indeed. All right, let's get to our first player on the docket today, William Eklund. I've seen him listed as a center and a a left winger, and he's playing in the SHL. And uh, the numbers that this guy put up early in the season were extraordinary. He's still over a half a point per game for a draft-eligible player. And the names that are in that uh, sort of point production from the past, you're talking uh, Forsberg, Hendrick Sedin. So he's in really good company. Um, And that's in 45 years years of that really good league as we've talked about the SHL what is his best asset when you watch this player that has allowed him to excel so at such a young age in a talented league well I, I would say there's two things that really stand out for me when it comes to William he, he's really quick and he, he, he might be more quick than fast and and, and and he's a really good skater don't get me wrong here but his quickness his ability to quickly get into a spot to take advantage in so many different areas of the rink is really impressive and he, he has a, a, a mentality of like I'm coming after you like you know when those opportunities arise I mean his hockey sense is excellent and when he sees those opportunities he, he's ready to exploit he, he, he's like that he, he's, he's like that rattlesnake in the grass and when he sees a, ch- a chance to strike he's striking in a big way so I, I love that I love his attitude I love the way that he uh, recognizes uh, those opportunities to exploit and, and you know he's got the mind quickness and the quickness and, and the mind quickness leads to the other the, the other part of him being able to take advantage that quickness to get to the right spots and and, and really be a, a a real dangerous player right and uh th- this is a, a guy who has has put up i think uh almost half his uh, points are goals half his points are assists so is he that typical uh, you know cliche dual threat guy um, or do you think he settles into one or the other i think we'll call him a 50 50 guy how does that sound 
Yeah, yeah. Well, why not, <laughs> right? If you can get a guy that <laughs> produces like that. Yeah. Well, if you're a dual threat, or right, I, I think you know the game. You know, if you can be multifaceted in, in, in how you attack and how you can contribute, right? It's also going to make you that much harder to defend. Think about uh, think about Patrick Mahomes. So we know Patrick Mahomes can throw the football off of his back foot while being chased down by four linemen, you know, 75 yards down the field, right? It, it's, a, it, it, it's a gifted, gifted talent that he has. But he's elusive. He's quick. He's fast. You got, you got to respect his ability to throw from the pocket. You got to be able to respect his ability to throw on the run. He, 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 he knows how to buy himself time. He knows how to be elusive. So even if you cover downfield, he can, he can from his ability to, to do so many different things in the backfield, he can open up things all on his own because you can only cover for so long. So when I think about players that are able to, you know, threaten you, threaten an opponent and make you dangerous in multiple ways, I mean, that's a, those are, that's a great attribute to have. And certainly I think William does have that. You know, for me, I've seen him play left wing. Okay, I, I like, you know, I might have seen him play a couple times in the middle of the ice when he was a little bit younger, but, but I've seen him play left wing for the most part. But... You know, I think you have to be open-minded in the way the game is being played. And, you know, what I would say is whether he's playing left wing, whether he's playing center, he can attack you from multiple points on the ice. And I think that that is a, is a great quality that he has. Mm, looking forward to uh, seeing him in action. As, as I am. He's a competitor guy. too, Dean. Dean, yeah. he's a competitor. Like, you know, one of the things I've always talked about, and I tell young players this all the time, you know, in scouting, you'll hear, oh, look at it, he got knocked down. Oh, yeah, he got knocked down. Well, it, just because he got knocked down doesn't mean that once he gets physically stronger, he's not going to be able to handle uh, the physical rigors a little bit better. I see a lot of big, strong players never get knocked down because they never go where it matters. They mm. stay where it doesn't matter. So, you know, Willie Mackland gets invested in the hard parts of the game and you're not pushing him out of the game. And I, that's mm -hmm. another quality that I love about him. Yeah, not a perimeter player, as uh, some, some guys get labeled as because they don't want to go to those areas. Well, let's get to Corson Kuhlman's now. Uh, a defenseman with the uh, Brooks and the AJHL going to Wisconsin next year. And and I've heard a lot of comparisons to, to Kale McCarr. And I wonder if that's just the easy comparison because they're both Alberta, they both played at Brooks, or is the comparison legitimate? Well, I, I'm not going to say it's not legitimate. I mean, hey, when a player, you know, gets compared to somebody like Kale McCarr, I mean, that's pretty impressive. And that tells you, you know, you know, is there ever going to be an exact comparable for the most part? No. But, you know, Corson plays the game in, in a manner like Kale McCarr. And, and, and by that, what I mean is he, he's an excellent passer. He's really, really calm and poised. And, and at the same time, he's, he, he, you know, he, he's going to make those precision passes. He thinks the game really well. He sees the game really well. But he's also going to be able to jump into the play. I don't think at the same age he's got the same jump uh, approach that he's a really good skater. Don't get me wrong, but but Kale could really jump and really jump into the attack and really become part of the attack. Corson will do that, 
but he does it in a different way. And I think that that's where you, when, when I watch Corson play and I watch how, how methodical he is and how calm and poised he is, uh, you know, you, you, you just see what I call a precision player. You know, I, I, I see him more along the lines of Alex Petrangelo, mm. that type of a style of game. I'm not going to say he's going to be Alex, but Alex isn't going to be the guy jumping in and like Kale. Kale can be eye catching because of that quickness and that ability to jump and everything. Whereas Alex Petrangelo, he 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 just is he he's that really high RPM engine that just smoothly goes along. And you don't even you know when you get in a really fast car, Dean, and you're on the highway. And sometimes you don't even realize how fast you're going because yeah. that car is just moving along. It's just humming along. That to me is Corson. That to me is him. And, and one of the things that I think Corson, like Kale, like good player, I, I think as they move up levels, it, it'll become easier for them uh, to, uh, to, to, to get their skills in the game. Not that, they, not that the next levels are easier, but they're going to be more skilled players around them. The game's going to be less hectic. The game's going to be more controlled. And I think it plays right into the strengths of course. Well, he has all the earmarkings of being a number one defenseman. And for that, yep. you and I have talked about, you know, you got to be able to uh, contribute offensively. You have to be able to shut down. You have to play in all those situations. And and you can do that in different ways. You can be really nasty like Chris Pronger, or you can uh, just be really smart and, and, and uh, kind of finesse the way like uh, Scott Niedermeyer. Um, is he a physical defenseman or is he kind of on that more of a... Just, uh, you know, as you said, just kind of humming along. When I think Alex Petrangelo, I don't think, like, massively physical, but I also don't think he's easy to play against. Well, and, and, and I don't have anything to add to that. What do you want me to add? <laughs> Here, here's what I'll add. I'll, I'll nod my head. I'll nod my head and go, yes, you nailed it, because that's, uh, that's the perfect description. There's no, there, there's nothing I can add that would make, uh, that would make it better than what, how you just described, of course. All right. Well, uh, I'm I'm really excited to see his development yeah. and uh, you know player. see see where uh, he goes, especially uh, when it comes to um, our league, the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League. And of course, Craig just joins us courtesy of the UFFS Hotline. And scouting is a huge part of that platform, the lifeblood of the franchises in the UFHL. Every player comes through the scouting. It doesn't matter if they're a prospect. Uh, or if they are uh, a veteran, every single one ends up as a scout and so or uh, through the scouting uh, system. So it's the lifeblood. And Craig, uh, I got to tell you, there is some uh, some really really exciting stuff going on with the UFHL and the UFFS. Um, and and when when I tell you this, I'm glad you're going to be sitting down because a franchise recently was auctioned off for $10,000 U.S., a fantasy team in our platform, which tells you a little bit about how serious things are. Well, with any endeavor, when you have a really good plan and really good leadership, which attracts really good, talented, passionate, hardworking people, you have a chance to be really successful. And that's exactly what the UFHL and UFSS stands for. And, you know, Dean, you, I mean, I'm involved with you and Trish and, and, and thrilled with it. But 
you know, when, when you laid out the plan for me and, and, and asked me if, if I'd be willing to, to help out, yeah, the plan was great, but the people, you and Trish were, were, were the key points because you're talented, you're smart, you're hardworking. And so that's what I want to be involved in. I want to be involved in, in, in endeavors where, where, where you can build, but you're also working alongside and for and with people that are so good at what they do and passionate about what they do. So, you know, when, when you tell me that, uh, you know, it's a, it puts a smile on everybody's face, but, but in the same breath, I'm not surprised because uh, the plan was well laid out. It was well thought out. It was methodical. And the, the, the attraction of, of really good people has, has led it to this point. And, and I would say that uh, it won't surprise me as you tell me that there will be more moves like this as, as time carries through, uh, forth. Mm-hmm, indeed. And Corson Kuhlman's who we talked about, one of the players that you suggested Trish go out and get for high-level scouting, and she did, and we'll be really excited to watch his progress. And, yeah, and when yeah, we talk sure. about uh, this fantasy hockey team, well, it's much more than that. It is a fantasy hockey team, but we're talking about NFTs on the blockchain. It's something that is going to be blowing up uh, a lot more. People are going to be hearing about it a lot more as we go. And, and another guy that people are going to be hearing about uh, as we get closer to the draft is the third player we're going to talk about, Craig, and that's Carson Lambos, a defenseman with Winnipeg in the WHL. He's on loan to a Finnish team, or he was at one point. But what sets Carson maybe apart from uh, Corson, who we just chatted about? How are they different? Because I know they're uh, number one defenseman potential, both of them. Well, you know, it's always when you ask me that question, I kind of sit here and go, okay, what is different about them? And, and, and you know, they're, they're, every player isn't the same. You know, Carson, you know, he played in Yavaskala. You know, they, they, they sent him over to play in Finland in Yavaskala, JYP, and, and, he, and he did exceptionally well. And he, he's going to come back and play uh, in, in the Regina bubble with the Winnipeg Ice. And when I first started to watch Carson play, there, there was two things that, that, that I immediately registered in my mind. So, and I, and I think I'm proceeding to answering your question. Number one, how much he reminded me of Jake Bean at the same age. Mm. And so now we're seeing Jake Bean, who was a first round pick to the Carolina Hurricanes, really find traction with the Carolina Hurricanes and, and in the NHL. You know, he was the American Hockey League uh, Defenseman of the Year uh, at the conclusion of the 2019-20 season. So that was number one about the first time I saw Carson play, it was the, the, the similarities, you know, calm, cool, skate, you know, move the puck when you needed to move it, skate it when you need to move it, but never a panic point in his game, never areas where you said he was vulnerable. And so you're watching all those skills and then the, then the comparison, I'm like, that's a pretty good player. So then you watch him play in the Western Hockey League as a 16-year-old. And what really struck me early on, because uh, I saw him early in the season, and then I saw him at the U-17 right after. And when I saw a 16-year-old Carson Lambos playing early in the season, I was like, boy, he doesn't look like a 16-year-old player. He doesn't play like a 16-year-old player. And by that, what I mean is he, he, he had an assuredness about him. It was like, I belong. I, like I can play and I can be a contributor here. And then he went to the uh, under 17 tournament and same thing. It was just complete control of the game. 
you know, you, you start, I always use in my scouting with, with the, with defensemen, you know, how much they have the puck on their stick and, and when they have the puck on their stick, what type of play do they make? You know, because defensemen, you know, going back for a puck, moving the puck out of their own zone, they're going to have to make plays. And, you know, you, you, does the puck end up on your teammate's stick? Does it generate a scoring chance? Does the teammate get it in the right at the right time where he has an opportunity to make the next play? Or do you throw bombs up there? It's off your stick, but it's on the other guy on your teammate's stick, but he doesn't have the the opportunity to make a good productive play. To me, you know, Carson had the had the sense of when that puck needed to be off his stick if it needed to be off a stick at all, when to jump into the play, how to, how to remain composed. I use a term that I call next play. And by that, what I mean is in, in every situation, the game is continuous, it's fluid. And, and, and everything's leading to the next play, the next play, the next play. Well, there's also next play offensively, there's next play defensively. To me, his fluidity and always understanding what the next play was, speaks to exceptional hockey sense. You know, you used Chris Prong or Scott Niedemeyer in terms mm -hmm. of defending when we talked about Alex Petrangelo earlier, like the difference between using your body and using it differently. I would say Carson Lambos is more on the Scott Niedemeyer track. You know, he's not this big, huge guy, but because he understands what you're going to do, maybe sometimes before you know what you're going to do, <laughs> It's, Scott Niederbeier would have the puck off your stick and the other player, the, the opponent would be going, what just happened there? Like, how did he end up with the puck? I think Carson has a lot of those same qualities in his game. And again, like, so I, I, I've talked about Jake Bean, who's really finding his way in the NHL. You know, he's a player that needed to just, he just needed to mature. Mm -hmm. I, I talk about Scott Niedermeyer. Well, you know, I'm using all these interchangeably to talk about Carson Lambos. So uh, a, a player that I think is uh, really, really gifted. You know what you might hear a lot of, which, which, which always bothers me, Dean? It's, mm -hmm. well, there's not a lot of flash to his game. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> I, I'm looking for, I'm looking for high level efficiency, okay? Carson Lambos has high level efficiency. Yeah, indeed, indeed. You know what? The, the other thing is you talked about, um, you know, how he always looks comfortable. You know, as a 16-year-old in Winnipeg playing 22 minutes, that's so oh. impressive. Is there any correlation between being able to play that many minutes at, at 16 with maybe to be able to play earlier in the NHL at 18 or 19? Or does it just get so much harder at that next level to take that next step? Well, well the next step is difficult, right? But what you describe at 16 and, and, and you got to keep in mind that these players are coming out of midget hockey, right? They've never played against players three and four years older than them. You know, the, the level of maturity at 16, it, you know, most the vast majority of players, you, you know, aren't even close to coming to their physical maturity. And yet you're being put into situations and scenarios where you're asked to compete on a level of physical maturity that you're simply not ready for. So how do you how do you play 22 minutes, Dean? I'll tell you how you do it. You understand what your strengths are. You understand the areas of the game that you don't want to get yourself into the what I would call you don't want to get yourself in the soup, and that speaks to exceptional hockey sense. 
And the mm. smart players, <laughs> the smart players are going to be able to move forward at 16 and be able to command the game. They'll do it at 17 and 18. And, and yeah, you know what? Like, you, you can say there's a correlation that that's going to translate. I'd like to say, yeah, it might be sooner rather than later, like a Wade Redden. But at the mm. same time, if it's like Jake Bean, that's not a problem either. Keep in mind, Alex Petrangelo was the fourth overall pick. He, he, he played less than 10 games in his 18-year, see, before going back to junior. He played less than 10 games as a 19-year-old in the NHL before going back to junior. And so people went, oh, yeah, he's not in the NHL at 20. It didn't matter. Alex was moving along at a nice rate, and now he's found himself as a, as a real top uh, defenseman in the entire National Hockey League. You know, I, I, I always think that it's best for players to be as prepared as possible once they get to the NHL because of how hard it is. But certainly, when you have that hockey sense and that IQ and that understanding of the game, it affords you an opportunity to be there earlier than others. Yeah, Jake Beans is is just uh, you know playing so well right now. I just actually picked him up in one of my fantasy leagues. Him and Hayden Fleury, great third pairing in uh, Carolina right now. And and you know they you know who knows where they move to, but uh, that's uh, you know good, really, really good comparison. Lastly, I just want to ask you about the the 2021 draft as we look ahead. You know, we look back to last year, and you know we we know who was the number one pick for pretty much the whole way. Is there is is it a little bit more muddy going into 2021? You know, I, I don't really hear a consensus number one. I hear that a lot of guys could go number one, and you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Have you ever done any diving or real significant snorkeling? Uh, a little bit in Mexico, just snorkeling, not too not too deep though. Okay, but you've probably seen documentaries, right? Yes. Yes. So. When you see some diving and some of the divers and they, and they go off the barrier reefs and they see the great white shark, right? Yeah. You know what? It's a beautiful sight and it's, it, and the great white shark stands alone, right? Okay. So that's, that's a draft with Connor McDavid <laughs> right? sure. or, or Austin Matthews. But when you go, when you go uh, snorkeling and, and you get into these great waters and you see these beautiful species of fish and, and, and sea life, right? Yeah. That's what this draft is. It's not muddy. It's not muddy, Dean. It's not right. muddy at all. It's beautiful. There's just a lot more of it, and there's not that great white shark dominating. <laughs> all right. I love the analogy, and uh, I look forward to more deep diving into the uh, 2021 <laughs> draft as we go, Craig. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a great week. Enjoy the melting snow before the next one falls from the sky. <laughs> Hey, I got to tell you, you know, my girls, I don't know how old they were, 7 and 10, 6 and 9, something like that. We have a picture. I don't know if I even have it here. Uh, hey, I got to show you. Hang on. Yeah, okay, okay. I'm looking forward to this. A little family history uh, from the buttons. Uh. If you can see that picture right there. Yes, yeah. See? See that picture? Yeah. So they made snow caves. That was at the end of April, <laughs> one year here in Calgary. So they, okay. they were thrilled to make a snow cave and a little tunnel there. So I know what it's like, uh, what can happen come, uh, come April and even May. Yeah, indeed. Well, we'll, uh, we'll watch for those showers. Thanks, Craig. <laughs> Thank you. This is a serious message. Craig Button joins us on the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline. 
Become a scout and make money while providing prospects to the ultimate franchise hockey league. What'd you talk about, mister? Pay that man his money. I'm your huckleberry. Check out the details at www.uffsports.com. It's serious. I like it a lot. I said we gotta win it. UFFS, you own the game. was a great conversation i i never knew uh craig was uh so into uh aquatics and such a big sky uh, snorkeler and scuba diver love it uh oh by the way in, in the next little while we're going to do craig's council and that's where uh we'll uh, get questions from you or comments or anything like that that you want to ask craig whether it's about uh, some specific scouting tips especially helpful for those uh in uh, the scouting platform uh, with the UFHL, uh, but he'll also tell some funny stories, and uh, he's got a lot of them, and I absolutely love when you get into story time with Craig. So if you have a question or you uh, have a comment or something, whether it's on the scouting end uh, or maybe it's on the story end, uh, send us an email, trackingthedraft at gmail.com, and uh, we will add that to the list of questions that have uh, already come in. And, you know, I talk a lot about the UFHL uh, and it's just so much fun. You know, there's so much going on. You know, there, there's, uh, you know, a, a potential Legends League where uh, superstars from the past can have. Uh, so, you you know, you I can't imagine if a team goes for 10,000, how much would Wayne Gretzky ever go for if, uh, you know, in that situation. But, but in our Telegram chat, it was so funny. Uh, that the, the comment was made, somebody picked up Marion Gabrick and, you know, maybe it's for Legends League or maybe they just need some uh, some, some cap to get above the floor because we mimic everything about uh, the, the NHL. So cap, uh, ceiling, and floor. Uh, and it was so funny. Uh, Donnie, uh, the uh, GM for Kamikaze, said Marion Gabrick's injury rating would be definitely 99. So just one of the other things I love about the UFHL. If you want to join our community, uh, check it out on Twitter at UFH League, and you can get all the information there. Um, I think you'll have a lot of fun. It's realistic. It's high stakes. Uh, NFTs were on the Zillica blockchain, as mentioned. Um, it is. Uh, it's out of sight. I can't wait for this to uh, really blow up and see. You know what else uh, they have in store? They're uh, putting their new sport out there. I believe uh, this Monday. Uh, so in the next little while, we'll know about yet another sport on the UFFS platform. All right. Time for me to uh, say goodbye, as the music indicates. But big thanks to Craig Button, of course, the director of scouting for TSN, for his time, his passion, and his knowledge. If you enjoyed the show, please let us know. If you're watching on YouTube, just hit that uh, subscribe buttons and, and hit the uh, bell so you get a notion uh, that uh, or a notice rather that uh, a new episode has come out. We really appreciate that. Leave us a review if you're listening wherever you can. Always interested in constructive criticism. If you'd like to get involved in the show as an advertiser, email me trackingthedraft at gmail.com. This has been Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. My name is Dean Millard. The stars of tomorrow are discovered and discussed here. Have a great week, everybody.